Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hallelujah. Well, Thursday's Thanksgiving. So I, I always try to preach a Thanksgiving message uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And uh, how many of you know, for a Christian, it's not a holiday or an event. For a Christian, it's a celebration of a lifestyle. For a Christian, we should always be living in Thanksgiving, right? We should always be living in gratitude, in appreciation. So whatever word you want to say, uh, appreciation, gratitude, thanksgiving, we should always be living that lifestyle. It should be a habit for us. So it's more than just a day that we remember the Mayflower. I mean, remember that, or the picture of a turkey, you know. Uh, no, it, it, our scriptures say something like this in First Chronicles. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. You do understand that in order to be grateful, you have to know that God's good. If you don't know that God's good, it's hard to be grateful, right? Say with me, God is good. Now, I grew up in an in a atmosphere where if I said God is good, the people said, let me try it again. God is good. All the time. That, that, that right there, it's okay to say God is good, but it's hard to believe all the time. No, all the time. Say all the time. So he said, we should praise the Lord all the time because his mercy endures forever. And then the psalmist in 92 said, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Say it's good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Or Psalm 100, into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his holy name. Say with me, the way in is to be thankful. I mean, if you ever opened your door and someone started saying, oh, I'm so thankful for you and I just want to praise you for what you've been in my life, you're going to let them in. But if you open the door and they say, we don't like you, got nothing to do for you, we just don't know why we're even here, you ain't letting them in the house, right? How many know that in his presence is everything you need? That you really need to be in the presence of God. And he said, you enter in through these, this thanksgiving. You, you get in there by thanksgiving. That's Psalms 100. And then 1 Corinthians 15, but give thanks to God who gives victory. Say with me, give thanks, and then there'll be a victory. You don't have the victory and then give thanks. Paul says, give thanks, and you'll have the victory. Oh, well. So you have to learn how to praise God after the fact, and you got to learn how to praise God before the fact. Some of us are praising God for and for what's to. And then Paul writes, giving thanks always for all things. Say all things. Say, I give thanks for even ugly. I give thanks, right? I give thanks in all things to God for the Father and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's dawned on me after nearly 40 years of ministry that a lot of Christians are living okay. How many of you live in okay? You're just doing, how many, okay, I'm doing okay. And yet never quite reach great. Never quite reached that place where you wouldn't believe what's going on in my life. I mean, you know, you ask somebody walking through the mall or walking through Lowe's, which I've been a lot lately, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I've never had one of them go, I'm doing great. I've heard some people say better than I should. 
But we should be people that are living in the fullness of what God has to us, right? We should be living in that. And I'm convinced that the reason we don't many times is because we don't know how to be thankful to God. We don't live in this state and atmosphere of gratitude, in the state and this atmosphere of thanksgiving. I mean, every study I have read said you'll, you're less likely to be depressed if you live in thanksgiving. You're less likely to get sick, period, if you're living a thankful life. You're less likely to be afraid or live in fear. You're, you're far more productive and happier if you can learn how to be grateful and be thankful for what God has in our life. You see, I, I believe that the next level, the higher dimension, the, the next victory is predicated by our praise. That if we'd learn how to be praise and thanksgiving, we could move into that next dimension. I mean, all of you have taught your grandchildren the magic words, abracadabra, no, thank you and please, right? I mean, we try to teach all of our children, please and thank you. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is trying to prepare the people from moving from the wilderness, kind of that survival mentality, uh, into the promised land, that, that real place of victory. And he says, God's going to give you a good land. He's going to give you this great land that has streams and gold and water. And he says, and, and you're going to go in there and you're going to settle down and you're going to be satisfied because God's about to fulfill his promises of giving that. And then, then he makes this statement, but be careful not to forget. See, we as human beings have a proclivity to forget. We have a proclivity that once we kind of settle in and get satisfied, we kind of forget who it is that got us there. We kind of forget who we are, and we fail to be thankful once we're kind of settled in and we're okay. And there's a lot of people that I watch that get saved, and they get kind of settled, and, and they get free of that, and they get free of this, and then I don't see them anymore. And years and years ago, the Lord said, son, I'm going to give you a lemonade stand just about four feet from hell. And he has. And I could walk around this room and talk about where I met most of you. Uh, about 91% of the people that began to come to the Father's house come in a real stressful time in their life. They, they come many times in that condition. And I've had numbers of people, and a couple weeks ago I was reminded that, man, when you're going through tough times, you have this need to come to church. You have this need to pray. You have this need because you're in, going through it difficult stage. But once you get through that, then there becomes this, and I've noticed it with people that age specifically. Uh, when they're young and they're battling against everything, man, there's this passion. And then they'll say, well, I'm just older. I don't do that anymore. No, no, we're getting ready to send your saddle home and you're not as concerned about life as you once were. I mean, that's the truth. And, and so how do you keep that passion when you really settle in and satisfied? How do, you, how do you keep that faith alive? How do you keep that feeling? How do you keep that emotion there? And, and Moses does a good job of saying, now when you get in there and you get settled and you're living in the land of milk and honey, I just want you to know that you're not, I don't want you to forget how and where you've come from and who it is that brought you on this journey. Look at your neighbor and say, make up your mind that you're not going to forget. Just make up your mind. There's going to be some things that I need to do just so that I don't forget where I put my car keys. There are some things I need to do so that I don't forget where. Oh, yeah. In other words, you need to be ritualistic in your life. I'm going to put my car keys here. I'm going to put my wallet here. I'm going to keep this there. I mean, we're kind of done some things in the kitchen and now everything's in the wrong place. 
and I go to get something, open the door. It's not where it used to be, right? And, and I got to get used to this. So there, there's some things that you do in order to remember. Say with me, I do this in order to remember that, in order that I don't forget that I keep my faith encouraged. And see, gratitude is one of those things that you continually do. Thanksgiving is one of those things that you continue to do so that you don't forget who it is that brought you into this reality. Many people, many people I know celebrate their accomplishments. They celebrate what they've accumulated. They they celebrate that. But very few people do I know that live in a truly attitude of appreciation and thanks for all that God has done and is continuing to do. If I were to ask you to write down what you appreciated, what you appreciate and why you appreciate it, 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 it's really be a challenge. And I began to realize a number of years ago that many people begin to adopt an attitude of gratitude, but very few people put to practice and live in a habit of gratitude. They live in a habit of thanksgiving. Because see, gratitude is not our natural disposition. Have you ever tried to change the diaper of a two-year-old? They're really not grateful. I'm just telling you, I've never had a two-year-old go, thank you for wiping my behind. In fact, they fight you, and if you're not careful, you'll end up with a shower. I mean, have you you noticed they're not grateful for anything you feed them? Nothing. And I mean, it doesn't get better. At 11, they still ain't grateful for what you feed them. You you, you sit my 11 grandkids down, and they all want 11 different things. I have to tell them all the time, your grandma fixed that. Eat it or go hungry. I really don't care. Well, I'm going home. Fine, go. Because they're never grateful. They're not grateful when you wipe their behind. They're not, they, have you ever tried to feed a three-year-old peas? <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Most of the time, we don't live in gratitude for what God's trying to do. We don't like it when he's really trying to clean us up. When he's really trying to feed us the stuff we need to eat rather than the stuff we like to eat. See, gratitude and thanksgiving is not a natural disposition. It's not instinctive inside of us. That's why you have to begin to do gratitude in order to be able to remain in that mindset, in order to remain in that, because attitude has to take upon an action. It has to take upon something that you do. Uh, Ron Yoder's favorite verse in the Bible is Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. It says, put it to practice. One translation says, keep practicing. Whatever I've taught, showed you, whatever you've seen and learned, keep doing it. Say, just do it. Just Nike didn't make that up. God did. He said, if you just keep doing what I've told you to do, then you can experience everything that I have for you. If you read Philippians 4, 9 in the, in the Message Bible, it says, do that and God who makes everything work together will work through you his most excellent harmony or peace. In other words, it, gratitude has to be something we do. Thanksgiving has to be an action that we take. And when we do that, then we can begin to see us move from this survival into how we settle down into the success that God's given to us. And we begin to feel again the way we did when we were desperate. Romans chapter 1, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their you foolish hearts were darkened. Say, I need the lights on. And the only way you get the lights on is to begin to praise God, thank God, glorify God, be grateful to God. And when you do, the light will come on and illuminate your mind and you'll be able to think better because you know how to live in thanksgiving. 
Thanksgiving's not a holiday. It's not an event. Thanksgiving is an atmosphere and a state of mind. Thanksgiving is a choice, a decision of one's will to continue to remain grateful for everything that God has done in your life. It's not a holiday. It's a habit. Gratitude is the deep ability to embrace the gift of who we are, to embrace the simple reality that we are, to embrace the reality that we're loved and that we can love in return, to grace the reality that we could grow in the awareness of the fact that we are children made in the image and the likeness of God, that every one of us in this room are worthy, unique, and special, created in the image of God in a special way, that no one in here is a copy. Can I just suggest to you that if you walk into somebody's bedroom and say, I just want to take 120 minutes to tell you how good you are, you might change their life. I'm telling you, if you walk up to the counter at Walmart and you look at that person and say, give me 120 seconds and I'm just going to brag about you, you'll change their life. Can I tell you, I could solve all of America's problems today by giving you breaking news. Here's the breaking news in the midst of all the crap that you're hearing. Here's the breaking news for 120 seconds. I'm going to tell you how much I love you. I'm going to tell you how much I pray for you. I'm going to tell you how good you are. I'm going to tell you how significant you are. And I promise you this breaking news will change your life and heal the division that's running rampant throughout this country and throughout your marriages. If you want to keep your... If you want to keep your marriage and your relationships well, if you want to keep your children well, be extravagant as to how you brag on them. It will change the atmosphere of the world. I'm so thankful for this young man because I've watched him take and make better choices than I've ever seen him make in his life. I've watched him after a lifetime of real lack begin to make basic choices that puts him back at work, that finishes school, that makes him get up and do the things that he's supposed to do. And he comes and sits down here on the front row every Sunday. I'm grateful for the choices that he's making and he needs to be bragged about in public and so do some of you. 120 seconds. Breaking news. Instead of posting all the stuff on Facebook that you post, maybe we ought to post breaking news. I just want to tell you I'm thankful that I got any friends, let alone how many I got. Just breaking news. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm going to do that for you after service. (laughs) To intentionally appreciate. To intentionally say thank you. The way Moses did it is Moses followed the instructions that he was given. And every year at Passover, they sat down at a meal that had specific foods. They sat down at a table and they took special times. And they said the same thing every, every time they sat down. And they gave grace and they remembered how God had brought them out of. And they thanked God for delivering them out of the hands of Pharaoh. Said so they thanked God for. Do you know one of the first things we teach our children? is that when you sit at a meal, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this food. Some of us have forgotten that. We have forgotten that when we sit down at a meal, we're supposed to be humble enough to thank God for feeding us. We're supposed to be humble enough to recognize that it's through the hands of another that this food was prepared and that we eat today and live in the reality that we live in because somebody else made a sacrifice so that we could sit here and so that we could experience his freedom Listen to me. If you sit down at a table with a child and tell them to be thankful, you could change their lives. I'm convinced that the number one problem in America today is there's not enough table time. 
There's not enough parents to sit down with their children around a table and make them learn how to bow their head and thank God for the day that they've had because there's too much drive in and carry out. There's too much quick food so that no one has to sit there. Listen, let me tell you something. I am tickled to death that Chick-fil-A is a Christian, but it's just chicken. It's just chicken. It ain't good chicken. My grandma made good chicken. It's zap chicken. I don't care where it come from. It's just chicken. It's chicken. It's chicken. The only thing that makes chicken good is grandma made it. The only thing that makes chicken good is when I sit down. And I sit there and grandma made me thank God for that chicken. And I know where that chicken came from. And I understand that I was a part of this family. And I understand that generationally I'm going to live the way they live. And the faith was passed on to me because grandma and grandpa and mom and dad made me sit down at a table every night and take a few minutes to give grace. Thank you. Are you making eh? Listen, you want to recover your family? It's very simple. Have supper together. Do this and you will remember. Moses taught the people how to sit down at a table and remember who they were and recover their identity. Listen, I could put Pete out of business by just making all of you have a meal. There's teachers that have to teach about identity because most parents never gave their children identity. Most parents never took the time to sit them down and explain to them that they are children of the Most High God. Wait till they are of the age of enlightenment. Baloney, I started sitting them down at a meal long before they had the idea of who and what Christ was and began to tell them who and what Christ was from the time they could sit at the table. I reminded them, we're Christians. We're followers of Christ. You see, all of Thanksgiving begins at a kiddie table. I don't know about you, but on Thursday we'll have the adult table and then we'll have the kiddie table. Have you ever had to sit at the kiddie table? Uh-huh. How many of you glad you got to go to the adult table? Listen, we'll have two kiddie tables. There'll be the real little kids, and then there'll be the little older kids. And if you make one of the little older kids sit the little bitty kids, they don't like it. And all the little bitty kids want. But at the kiddie table, you learned what you were thankful for. And you were thankful for what God has done. How many are thankful for what God has done? And so Moses sat people down, and he taught people what they were thankful for. Four. That was a, a, a very beginning, determinative reality that Moses sits people down and says, we're thankful for, but it is a child's table. David comes along and he says, thou settest the table for me in the presence of my enemies. Do you know to be able to sit over that adult table on, on, on Thursday morning, you got to be able to thank God even though you're in the presence of your enemies. To move from thanking God for, to move to thanking God that even if I'm suffering through this moment, I'm still thankful for God. That even though I'm suffering through loneliness, even though I'm suffering through one of my family members being ill, even though I'm suffering through this moment in my life, I still thank God in the pain of this moment because I know that God is with me during this time and this season and this won't last forever. You see, to mature to the fact that you can praise God in the middle of the problem and not wait for it to be over, that's a mature issue. And many people have to learn how to stop thanking God for things and start thanking God in the midst of things. 
One table is the table of Moses that brought them out of. The other one was a table of a warrior that knew how to fight for what God had given to him. So he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk for he leadeth me beside and he sits me down and he restoreth my soul and he feeds me even in the presence of my enemies. And surely my future holds goodness and mercy because God has chastened me so that he might bless me. It is an adult that is able to do that. You don't move people from the kiddie table to the adult table until they've matured enough in their praise, till they've matured enough in their thanksgiving, till they've matured in their attitude, till they've matured in the reality that they don't have to see it to believe it, but they can walk by faith and not by sight. Am I making any sense? Say with me, Thanksgiving is not an event. Thanksgiving is a maturation of a faith journey with God so that you can move from one table to the next. You have to remember David knew what to do when he wanted to show kindness to somebody. David understood that when you wanted to reveal kindness to somebody, you picked him up and you carried him to the table. And so he went down to Lodabar and he found Mephibosheth and he carried him to this table. And he had been in Lodabar for 25 years, but when David restored him, he put him at this table. And at that table, he gave him back his inheritance. And then he said, you won't even need it because I'm going to provide for you. You see, when God moves you from the kiddie table to the adult table, you realize how blessed you are. And even in the face of your enemy, listen, enemies become a sign that trigger worship. Problems become a sign that trigger worship. Trials become a sign that trigger thanksgiving. When you become an adult, all of a sudden, even though you're facing a hard time, you understand that I can sit right here and eat at the banquet table of the Lord and be blessed in spite of the circumstances that are blowing around me. Anybody in here moved to the adult table yet? I want to sit down at that adult table because I got, oh well, conversations are different at this table than at this table. Conversations change. Our language is altered. We say different prayers. The point of the matter is that at either table, you can't be quiet. At either table. Nobody sits at either one of those tables and is silent. Is that mine? Might be. You can't sit at either table and be quiet. If you sit at the kid table, you can't be quiet. You have to be intentional about thanking God for what he's done. And if you're sitting over here at the adult table, you got to continually praise God in spite of what's going on around you. Can you hear me? Am I doing okay? I don't know whether you can hear me or not. They'll, they'll fix that in a minute. We have to understand that you can't be thankful and be still, that you can't give gratitude and be quiet. I get so tickled. One of the things that has impressed me is that when we get done with the adult table, here's what adults begin to do. They begin to look for a newspaper. Have you ever not? You've never been there. You've never been at my house after the Thanksgiving meal. Everybody's looking. They'll, they'll go buy two or three newspapers. You know why? Because they're already looking to buy something on Good Friday. I hate Good Friday. I just want you to understand there's nothing good about Friday after Thanksgiving. The battery's dead. Hallelujah. There we go. Listen, it isn't Good Friday. There is a reason why it's called Black Friday. I hate Black Friday. I absolutely hate it. Because by Thursday night, the adults have slipped off that table, and now they're looking over here to buy something. 
instead of looking at the newspaper ads, or, or, I love this one. Now we're scrolling. What's on sale tonight? I can tell you what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to sleep. You ain't getting a Christmas gift from me on Black Friday because I'm sleeping. Here's what I think you ought to do. Instead of looking for something you can buy for this year, maybe you ought to go back and take a picture of what you got last year and live in appreciation for what you've already received rather than trying to figure out what you could buy to make other people happy. Because listen, the gift is not what makes people happy. It's the giver behind the gift and the intent of the heart behind the gift that really satisfies and gives people happy. Listen, let me give you a challenge this year. Take pictures of the presents that you give and next year instead of letting them scroll on Thanksgiving, make them go back and be really thankful for what they got last year. Oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching really, really good. Black Friday on Thanksgiving, barred at my table. What the family doesn't know is that the phones are going to be isolated this year. Uh, never mind. I, I have one of those old bread boxes. Never mind. See, if you fail to appreciate, I have news for you. It's hard to move into the next level. Move from the kiddie table to the adult table. Have you ever noticed Jesus ate with everybody? Have you ever noticed he ate with sinners and tax collectors? He ate with people that had been up trees. He ate with people that had dirty hands. He ate with women. He knew how to drink water from a bucket and turn the water into wine. Everywhere that Jesus went, he was set down and ended up being the host. His table was open to everybody. Anybody and everybody was able to come. He was always surrounded at a meal. And he did his best teaching when he was breaking bread or increasing bread. He always connected bread and food to what he was trying to teach to them. Anybody in here watch? I love Tom Selleck. Anybody like Tom Selleck? I love Blue Bloods. I just, you know what I love about Blue Bloods? I love the fact that, that they filmed that meal sitting around that table. I read the other day that they spend about 12 hours on average to film that little two-minute segment. Why? Because it's at that table that the truth of what's going on in their lives is revealed. They always come back to the reality that God has blessed them. They deal with some of the greatest... I'm so grateful for technology. I'm so grateful for Lucas, aren't you? I'm so grateful for all this stuff. Uh, I, I love watching how that family interacts. I love watching it because you can see three generations there as they continue to live in that Thanksgiving and in that attitude. We'll have fewer emotional issues if we'll come back to the table and understand that we can not only live thankful for, we have to live thankful in spite of those things that might be taking place in our lives. That's real growth. That table will make you really recognize and realize what God's doing, even though this is going on in your life. It celebrates the past and it celebrates the future. Any, anybody here ever gone on a date? Did you eat? Yeah, generally, dates are surrounded by food. Any, anybody here ever had an anniversary? Yeah, did you eat? Anybody ever gone to a wedding? Did you eat? Everything we do, we, we generally fill it with food because food passes on something that, that is unbelievably. To move from the children's table to the adult table, to move to the Lord's table, to understand that we come to the Lord's table not because of what he's done for us, not because of what he's doing in spite of the circumstances, but we come to the Lord's table because it celebrates the self-giving because at the Lord's table, he gave himself. 
Because at the Lord's table, he said the highest form, do you know God is grateful for you? Do you know God is thankful for you? Do you know that he loves you so much that he give his whole life to you? That I've never seen greater love than a God who would lay down his life for you. You and I have lived in a time where we have watched Islamic extremists try to convince people to strap bombs onto their chests and blow themselves up for Allah. You do understand that we are diametrically opposed to a God who's demanding us to sacrifice ourselves for him. We have a God who strapped on the bomb vest and died for us. That there couldn't be anything more clear in the culture in which we live. That every other God is trying to get them to do something for him. But this God comes and sits down at a table and says, I'm going to feed you, but I'm going to feed you with my body and with my blood. And that if you eat my body and my blood, you'll have all that I have for you. And yet, 72% of American Christians today have no clue what that is. 72% of Christians today think that it's a Roman Catholic thing. They think it's an Anglican thing. I've had people get up and walk out of this church because they think that's Catholic. Listen, that's not Catholic. That is the ultimate revelation that God doesn't just give things to you for which you are thankful. God doesn't just walk through you with painful things, but God comes to give himself his totality to you. You cannot live by bread alone, but by every word. The word became flesh. You don't live simply by gaining information out of this book. You live by digesting the reality of the love of God into your heart because you become what you eat. Just look. Whenever we continually have a, 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 an appetite for God, one thing I desire, and that will I seek. When I have a desire to realize that the highest form of living is to give my life away for other people. That contrary to the popular culture of the moment that I come to receive something at church rather than I come to give something at church. I come to give my life away, not only to God, but to you. I come to give my money away. I come to give my time and my talent and my treasury to God. See, Thanksgiving is not just an attitude. Thanksgiving is an action. It's an action of getting up this morning, taking a shower, and coming to celebrate with other people the gift that God has given to us. It's a coming to give our praise. It's a coming to give of our sustenance. It's a coming to give of ourselves. See, if you really want to up your faith, serve somewhere. If you really want to up your faith, sacrifice somewhere. Because to come to the Lord's table is to move beyond kiddie stuff into adult stuff, but to move into this stuff that's called God's stuff. To move into the mystery of the reality that as he gave his life for us, we now give it to somebody else. And we do that supposedly on a weekly basis. Real worship is to give ourselves to other people. And you see, none of my grandchildren want to eat at a table alone. None of my adult children want to eat at a table alone. The worst Thanksgiving we've ever had is when Annie and I ate alone. You see, you can't just stay alone and think you're worshiping. Because worship was meant to do with two or three together. Worship was meant to be done in the celebration of the entire body of Christ. So that when we come together, we remember who he is. He is the Lord God that saved us and that has given himself to us. 
and we come together that we might give ourselves to each other. And you can't do that alone. You have to celebrate the reality of each one of us as we come together and realize that he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it, and he said, this is me given for you. He took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. And as often as you drink it, it is I that changes your life. You see, thanksgiving is more than an attitude. Thanksgiving is something that you do. It is an action. So you do this and you will remember, you will relive, you will move out of the debased mind that the Romans were cursed with and you will move into a state of understanding that is beyond your ability to learn or to grasp through the gray matter but comes to you only by the Spirit. If you can discern this, you can walk in health Paul says, many are sick and feeble among us because they have not discerned the body of the living Christ. They have not discerned that he has called us to a Thanksgiving table in a rhythmic way, that it's not a holiday once a year for Americans to celebrate the pilgrims, but it is a reality of walking back into God and saying, thank you, and I receive rather than trying to achieve. This is the reality that will alter our culture if we can, can recover the truth of coming to the Lord. You have to understand that Thanksgiving in the latter part of November is but a sign and a symbol of the reality of moving from this table to this table to this table. It will change your family if you learn how to do Eucharist at home. It'll change your family if once a week you sit down at a special meal and you go around that room and you remember the body and the blood of Christ. It'll change your life if you begin to call your children not to simply be thankful for, but even though and know that God is the one that's sustaining each and every one of us. This is catechism. This is discipleship. This is how you train up a child in the way they should go and they'll not depart from you. This is what we're truly called to, that you would raise your descendants in the faith, not hoping they find it. Many people raise their children in the knowledge of the Bible, but they never practice the reality of the presence of God that is made known through finding him at a table. There's not enough tabling going on in the children. There's not enough tabling going on in the adults. And I tell you, there's not enough tabling going on even in our spirituality. We need to learn how to eat as children. We need to learn how to eat as adults. And we need to learn how to eat as spiritual people. We need to learn how to be thankful here and here and here. We learn how to always be thanking God for what he's done, how he protects us in the presence of our enemies, and how he's calling us into a heavenly relationship of intimacy with him because he has given himself for us. It's not a drive through Christianity. It's not a takeout Christianity. It's a come and see. And it is always God walking into the gardens of our life saying, where are you? Well, 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 we're hiding. What are you hiding from? You see, God is always walking into the garden and going, well, why? Well, we're naked. He goes, no, you're not. See, it's always God walking into our lives and trying to offer to us something that we've never received before. See, it is the table of the Lord that returns us to the reality of our faith. It is the table of the Lord that reminds us of the generosity of God and of the reality that he's come to give us life and to give us more abundantly. When you move into the promised land and you settle down and you're satisfied, don't forget to be thankful for what God has done, 
for what God is doing and for the reality that you can experience the presence of God today. Listen, notice how quiet it gets here. Why? Because we've all sat down at a Chick-fil-A and forgotten to thank God. We've all sat down at different times and not been thankful because Thanksgiving is a choice. It's a choice that I have to intentionally make every day of my life to be thankful for this little 18-year-old girl that married me, to be thankful for the children that that reunion has produced, to be thankful for those 11 grandchildren, to be thankful for you, to be thankful even in the bad times that God is with me, to always be called back to the reality that God continues to give to me the life that I need today. When Paul wrote the book of Galatians, he's made statements like always be thankful, abounding with thanksgiving, devoting yourself to thanksgiving. Whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God because this is his will for you. To remember that my highest calling is to live in a thanksgiving way, to live in a grateful way, to let my prayers not just be filled with petitions, but to be filled with praise. To understand that when I walk in a gratitude, it changes the way I wake up in the morning, it changes the way I spend the day, and it changes the way I look back at the day. I have to tell you that the life preserver of my life is my gratitude. That it is the gratitude that has kept me afloat. It's the gratitude that allows me to stand and look at bad times and continue to stay swimming. It's the gratitude, the goodness of God that continually brings me back to the table where I say, thank you, Jesus. That is the reality of what it means to be a Christian, is to live not in an event, but to live in the habit of thanking God for everything in my life. Luke chapter 17 is filled with a great story that I love to tell. It's filled with a story about how 10 lepers got close to the Lord, but not close enough. They had to social distance, quite frankly. They had to stay downwind because leprosy was contagious. Do you know sin is contagious? You hang out with people that sin and you're going to get... And leprosy was a metaphor for sin. And leprosy would eat away toes and fingers and ears and nose. And these ten lepers came to the Lord one day and they said, Oh, son of David, have mercy on us. And he did. And he said, You go show yourself to the priest. And as they turned to go away, the leprosy began to disappear off of their lives. And as they walked away, one out of ten turned around, a Samaritan, turned around and walked back to the Lord and said, thank you. One out of ten. I don't think the odds have changed much. About one out of ten people that get saved come back. And it said that one Samaritan came back to Jesus. In fact, one translation says, fell at his feet and said, thank you. And the Bible says that that one person was restored meaning that what the leprosy had stolen from them, what sin had robbed them from, was regrown. That means that their fingers, their nose, their ears was restored. I don't know about you, but I want to be restored. I want the enemy to have to restore everything that he's ever taken from me. I want my children to walk in a restorative reality and not just in a redeemed reality. Because you can be redeemed and never be restored. But the one that was thankful, everything that he had been stolen from was returned to him because of his thanksgiving. You see, gratitude is a prerequisite for moving to the next level. Thanksgiving will always move you into a restorative healing that's greater than anything you've imagined. One thank you can change your life.
Just one. It'll stop every argument. It'll resolve every difference. And it'll open the door for the power of God to restore your life. I've had faith for healing in the face of people that were unthankful. And can I tell you, they won. They won. And they remained in a saved but an unrestored state. That's sad. So on Thursday when we sit down, let's take a few minutes before the bird gets eaten. And let's say thank you. Let's say thank you for what he has done. Let's say thank you for what he's doing in the midst of our troubles. And let's say thank you by looking around and recognizing that it is by sacrifice that you move into the reality of God. It's by that reality. Amen? Amen. From my house to yours, happy Thanksgiving. Isn't it interesting how we in America celebrate Thanksgiving and go right into Christmas? Isn't it interesting that Thanksgiving sets us up to celebrate the coming of the Christ? That Thanksgiving sets us up to begin looking at the reality how God so loved the world that he gave. Thanksgiving. God loves you so much that he gave to you. He's thankful for you. I believe he is thankful every time one of you return and say thank you. To live in the practice of the way of living thanks. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout, would you, this morning? Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show, and it'll just drop right into your feed, and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you, and you can become one of our givers, and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless, and I'll see you next time.